Hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast, episode 52 of the Noel Kastler podcast, coming to you live and uh, well, live, live to recording, <laughs> live to podcast. Anyway, I hope everybody's doing okay out there. It's been, uh, you know, it's been a crazy world since last week. And um, we all kind of saw this coming, but I think it, uh, you know, it still happened faster and more brutally than any of us were prepared for. And, you know, the listeners of this podcast know I'd been talking about it for a few weeks with Jimmy, you know, saying, I don't, I don't know that we're all prepared for, for what we're about to witness. And I certainly know we weren't prepared for, you know, the sort of heroism, you know, that we're seeing that that's just sort of un precedented it's you know there's there's other obviously many examples in world history but i don't think we've ever seen something in the age of social media where we're just getting these iconic situations uh and displays of of bravery and and you know just gallantry and it's obviously being led by president Zelensky. you know the same president that donald trump tried to shake down in his perfect phone call and say, hey, just do me a favor, right? And that we found out about and impeached him for, and that the Republicans would not hold him accountable, all of them except for Mitt Romney, whose niece runs the RNC and was overseeing CPAC this weekend, more or less. And, um, you know, it's shameful that that this happened because Trump's hands are all over this. You know, we all know that Paul Manafort was put on the Trump campaign right before the RNC convention. And that's when they changed the wording regarding Ukraine and how we were going to support Ukraine against Soviet or Russian aggression, Soviet aggression. <laughs> I almost sound like uh, Glenn Youngkin tweeted last night about uh, the Soviets are attacking, you know, Ukraine, like, but, uh, you know, Russian aggression, an oligarch, you know, and, and the corruption of, of of the former Soviet Union and of the oligarchs that are basically in charge of distributing the wealth and sharing it amongst themselves that Putin pilfers out of his country. You know, those guys were deeply, deeply embedded in the Trump organization. OK, Felix Sater was there in my time and he had Trump or business cards and he would make introductions at the Celebrity Apprentice after parties to these Russian mob types and Ivanka and Jared. But even before that, OK, we're talking in the in, you know, in the 06, 07 area era, they got a, a trip to Moscow, the Trump kids, the adults, Don Jr. and Ivanka and everyone and Felix Sater was their tour guide. And they ended up, you know, in, in Moscow and in the parliament buildings or whatever they're called. And they went by Putin's office. And Ivanka asked if she could sit in Putin's chair. And the story is that she sat in his chair and spun around twice. So she's probably the only woman to have sat on Donald Trump's lap and Vladimir Putin's office chair. But uh, there you have it. The Trumps were no strangers to Russian money. It's how Trump started his business. As I explained this week in a car rant, and many of you already know, 
Trump Tower was built to launder mob money. It was built by the mob, right? Fat Tony Salerno and Paul Castellano and John Cody, who was the head of the Teamsters and organized the strike. You know, the New York City head of the Teamsters organized the construction strike in the summer of 82 that had no concrete flowing. But the concrete flowed on Trump's project when he gave John Cody's girlfriend an apartment in Trump Tower, right? And not just any apartment, like a suite right below the triplex that he himself took possession of. You know, he gave it to a woman with no visible means of income, right? He, he personally, Donald Trump, signed off on her mortgage to get her a $3 million loan <laughs> to have the apartment, right? And after she took possession, Trump sent his guys to put in, like they came and knocked on her door one day and said, you know, we're here to put in the phone lines. And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm going to call Ma Bell to put in the phone lines. <laughs> Get out of here, you know? And when she told John Cody, he's like, never let Trump guys into the apartment. Because Cody knew, you know, Trump was trying to wire the mob, right? He was a spy <laughs> in terms of how could I get compromise on other people, right? So Trump was doing that way back in the beginning. I'm mentioning this because you know, before Russia invaded Ukraine, the big story coming out of the MAGA GOP RNC, you know, Fox News, you know, liosphere or whatever you want to call it was that Hillary Clinton had been bugging Trump Tower, right? And nothing could be further from the truth. And Trump Tower was full of espionage, you know, it was full of people gathering compromise. It was full of Russian brothels and Russian poker dens and places to buy an eight ball and not have to worry about the NYPD busting you if you were a little finance bro, right? So, you know, it was it was business as usual for Trump. And this stuff is all projection, right? So when you think about that in terms of the context of, of how this invasion has taken place, you know, and, and how it was interwoven in Trump's organization up to a really high level, you know, up to his campaign chairman, Paul Manafort, who went to jail for this, by the way, you know, Robert Mueller busted Paul Manafort for this stuff. And he went to jail and obviously got pardoned and he's allowed to walk free. And now we're seeing the results, you know, of, of Trump trying to shake down Zelensky, right. And allowing Russia you know, Trump wasn't the only one to do this, but Trump was in the middle of that world of, you know, Russian banks and Deutsche Bank and all this, you know, Oleg Deripaska and all these dudes, you know, that are, you know, laundering Russian money around the world, you know, to the head of Warner Music Group, you know, Lev or Leo Blat Blatvinik. I'm, I'm terrible at pronouncing Russian names, but anyway, so that's all like sort of come home to roost, right? We're in unprecedented times because over the weekend, you know, I'm recording this on Sunday. I waited till as late as possible to be, you know, as current as I can, because this is a situation that's obviously growing more dire by the hour. And, uh, you know, over the weekend, we saw unprecedented sanctions, you know, up, up into shutting down Russia's access to the SWIFT banking system, you know. When you hear this Monday morning, the Russian economy, I think, is essentially going to collapse, right? The ruble is just going to drop. You know, there's a run on the banks today. There's $10, 10 billion has been withdrawn over the weekend, you know, and there's lines of miles long to get to the ATM and the Russian people are going to suffer, you know, and they're going to suffer 
in a historic fashion and they you know they shouldn't be suffering but putin should suffer and we should be applying all the pressure we can as a world and that's what we're doing you know and that's uncharted territory like we've never seen before and it, it's you know it's terrifying it's horrifying you know there's already been a, a bunch of war crimes committed by putin and his troops and uh we're going to end it. You know, it's going to stop. Right. Because this kind of pressure, this economic pressure will change things because you got to think about how these guys were living. Right. Putin's own daughter is living up in Biarritz in a mansion. You know, if you've ever been to the south of France or Monaco, go to Monte Carlo and walk down by the harbor. I, you know, I was there with Crosby, Stills and Nash. Like it'll blow your mind. Like it's all these Russian oligarchs on their yachts. They got like a staff of, you know, 30 people. And there's like one little family, you know, it's like a dude and two kids and his wife, you know, eating breakfast on a giant yacht in the Harbor. And they all line up in the summertime right in the Harbor. Cause it's real prestigious to get a dock right there, you know, a berth right there, but the boats that wait, cause people will wait up for a week or two to get a, a, a berth, you know, in the Marina, they pay $15,000 a day to just sit there in the water and wait basically to get a parking space. It's an insane, you know, and grotesque amount of money that these oligarchs have stolen from their people. Cause a lot of people in Russia don't even have like indoor plumbing. I don't think people are aware of how much, you know, your average Russian citizen suffers they don't make a lot of money and that's putting it mildly you know they live a hard life so a man like putin can live in castles you know <laughs> you know and, and have you know mansions all over the world and let his daughter live in luxury you know and let his deputies live on yachts and live in the south of france and live in the south of florida right that's part of what trump was doing after new york city he started laundering all this money in florida right he bought a a mansion in 2008 in South Florida for $13 million and then resold it for $68 million, okay? To a Russian guy who tore it down, who never even moved in, an oligarch, you know? And there's some talk that underneath the mansion was access to fiber optic cables and all this, you know, I, I'm not taking it that far. I'm just telling you what I know on public record at the same time that I was working, you know, Celebrity Apprentice and going to the after party at Trump Soho, which was, you know, which was built with money that they were funneling out of, you know, Russia, right? And and the after party would be Felix Sater making all these intros, as I just said, you know, between Ivanka and Jared and Don Jr., right? At that same time in 2008, as a matter of public record, Trump was openly laundering money, helping launder money for Russian oligarchs. And he still had a show on NBC. <laughs> you know, and this stuff isn't like some conspiracy theory. This is in the Palm Beach newspaper, you know, that you can look this stuff up. And, and you know, we know that, right? We've discussed that. He's in trouble now for lying on his taxes, for inflating all of his assets, for getting all these like crazy loans. You know, Deutsche Bank had to pay billions in fines for laundering, you know, a bunch of Russian money. So, my point is like they almost had a good thing going right because you know they were getting in trouble for it but by and large they had gotten away with it right and trump uh, trump was installed by putin 
Okay. Mark Burnett, when he first made The Apprentice, wanted to make a show in Russia on the Mir space station and how it was getting like funded by the oligarchs and stuff. And he went over there and talked to Putin's people. And they said, no, the guy you want to do a show on is Donald Trump. He's our guy in New York City. And that's where Burnett got the idea. <laughs> you know, and NBC signed off on it. Jeff Zucker put it on the air and it stayed on the air for like 12 seasons you know, and made a lot of money. And everyone knew this guy was a sleazy criminal, right? But a lot of people get employed by sleazy criminals. You know, a lot of law firms and a lot of financial firms make a lot of commissions and keep a lot of retainers off of doing business with all these guys, you know, and yeah, Putin was a bad guy and a boogeyman, but the dudes that spread out all over the world, you know, the women that walk up and down Madison Avenue every day and shop at Balenciaga and, you know, Chanel and Fendi and stuff, right? Their money's good. Nobody was saying no to that cash, that sweet, sweet cash, right? New York City condos, you know, Central Park South, that big giant tower that's now screwing up everybody's view for the rest of history. Who'd they sell those big apartments to? Russian oligarchs and their kids. Dudes would buy apartments just to keep money away from their wives when they were going through divorces and stuff. You know, it was a playground for laundering money, as is London. London's the top spot, you know, and I've spent a lot of time in London. I'd stay at the Royal Garden Hotel and it's like insane. You know, you walk out in the lobby and some 19 year old Russian kids getting in his McLaren, you know, and he's living in a suite in the hotel full time. Like it's insane. Right. But they had a good thing. They were getting away with this in the Western world, in Western Europe and the United States. And now that's all over in a matter of days. Because Putin, Putin had almost been lulled into thinking he was going to get away with this because he got so much support from the GOP, right? He didn't get any pushback. As recently as last week, Tucker Carlson was parroting all of his talking points right? Every night on Fox News, hey, what do I got to be mad at Putin? What did he ever do to me? Right? And MAGA was buying this BS. The GOP was all behind him. Kevin McCarthy was tweeting out this same stuff. And then boom, he attacks on Thursday night, you know, and it's brutal. And it's much quicker in terms of like, right off the bat, he attacks Kiev and he gives that crazy speech right beforehand. And we had the sort of showdown in the UN. Right. And then the tides turn. Right. And then he doesn't get away with it. And then Kiev stands for three nights. And then we see these heroes, you know, these guys on Snake Island. It's like out of a movie, you know, where the Russians are like 13 border guards. Snake Island is down, I think, by I want to say Romania, you know, and, but it's a, it's a part of Ukraine. It's an island. Right. And the Russians were like, hey. You know, put down your weapons, walk away. We're taking the island. And they're like, fuck you, come and take it. Right. And they're all dead, but they're heroes. They'll be writing folk songs about those guys in 200 years. It's awful that they lost their lives, but they're standing for something bigger than themselves. They're standing for democracy, you know, and showing real bravery, not the toxic BS of having a bunch of barbed wire tattoos with screaming eagles on your bicep and a Punisher tattoo on your pickup truck or sticker on your pickup truck, right? Not a kill them all t-shirt and a big stupid gun that you're walking into Subway with, you know, not a big old dumb pickup truck in Walmart with a big muffler on it, terrorizing toddlers, right? Not that toxic BS convoy 
Canadian idiot stuff we see here, you know, and American stuff and January 6th, Patriots, Proud Boys. These guys are a bunch of cowards, cowards. And they were shown that in a matter of days, you know, it's not only Putin whose armor was pierced and who's humiliated. The whole MAGA toxicity thing is gonna, you know, face a bit of a comeuppance because it's just so obviously exposed as just a, a lie. You know, it's always been a lie, but like the iconography was effective, right? It's, it still is. It's not like these guys are leaving in droves, but it's going to sink in that like, hey, maybe this is BS. You know, maybe like acting like a tough guy because I don't want to put on a mask makes me actually look like a weak little coward. Because it does, you know, compared to a grandma who's going to walk up to a Russian soldier and say, hey, Put these seeds in your pocket so some sunflowers will grow when you die here. Right? That's some gangster shit right there. If somebody says that to me, I'm putting my gun down and hauling ass back home. Nope, I don't want that smoke. <laughs> right? That's gangster grandma shit. No, thank you. Right? But it points to this resolve, this bravery, you know, and this unwavering belief in what is right and and see the maga guys don't have that because they know it's a lie you know it's this overly sugared like hopped up on fast food and mountain dew and vape pens and just a dumb shit you know fox chirons jarring music you know a, a big fat guy waving a flag and singing god bless america to you 50 times you know a rally while you're standing there you know or it, it, you know they, they sort of brutalize the intellects of America. You know, it's, it's like if you fed a baby corn chips or something, it's not going to turn into a healthy, smart student later on, right? It's going to be an overweight, diabetic, like troubled person whose brain didn't develop well. And, and that's a lot of what MAGA is, right? MAGA, the groundworks for, for that were laid by Reagan when he let Murdoch come in with the fairness doctrine. Right. Because Murdoch wanted a piece of the NASCAR Nashville or Nashville. Well, Nashville can fall in into that. But, you know, NFL, you know, that kind of middle America red state stuff. He's like, there's a lot of money here that isn't being served. Right. CNN isn't really cutting it for these guys. These are guys who listen to Rush Limbaugh and, and tend to be racists and want to hear country music, you know, myths about the good old days or about how they're just a country boy working on a farm, which is all BS. You know, they're, they're eating a Taco Bell and shopping at a big box store where everything's made in China, right? But they want to pretend that they're patriots and they're doing the right thing. And all the woke, smart, educated people around them are just communists or homosexuals or something else they don't understand. Right. So let's exploit the gods and guns and, you know, goobers like section of our country and see see how much money is there. And it turned out a ton of money was there. <laughs> a ton of money was there. Right. But a guy needed to come along and really, really brand it. And that was Trump because he was the WrestleMania guy. He just came along and were like, was like Mexicans suck. You know, I'm the man. You're going to have a you know hot supermodel wife, too. You know, if you vote for me, not Hillary, not the woman, not the educated woman, because that can't be trusted. Right. Don't discount the misogyny that went into all of this, you know, and it was a weird reverse misogyny that got Trump elected because it was suburban women, you know, and rural women that put him over the top. 
besides the Russians, <laughs> right? But now that's going to be exposed. You know, he's not going to be the strongest candidate in the Republican Party in two years. A week ago, he still was. He's not anymore because Putin's not going to survive this. Okay. Putin's power is not going to be intact. Putin knows it's knives out right now. You know, who wouldn't want to throw his ass out of a window and put some plutonium in his tea or whatever it is, you know? <laughs> right? Because he just fucked it all up. And a lot of those guys, yeah, they work for him, all those oligarchs. But he's just one man. He's one short little psychotic man. Not that there's anything wrong with being short and psychotic, okay? I'm five seven and whole lot of crazy myself. <laughs> but you get my point, right? Putin apparently fired one of his generals today, his top general, the guy who shaped the Russian army. You know, and this army are, are made basically 19 year olds who like have to serve a year in the army. This isn't like, you know, these are conscripts. These aren't career military folks. These are kids who don't even know why they're there. You know, and, and you know, Ukrainians are like their cousins, you know, people travel back and forth. I have Ukrainian friends that go to school in Russia and vice versa, like your family can live, you know, it'd be like us attacking Canada or something. You know, you're asking these kids to go shoot somebody who, you know, looks like them, right? Which is harder for people to do. It shouldn't be, but it is, <laughs> right? It's just human nature, you know? This is not, you know, this is not where, you know, you're sending kids into some foreign land that looks unfamiliar to them. They're driving across a border and then realizing, oh, I I'm supposed to kill somebody's grandma, blow up this building. You know, and what's scary now is that Putin's back is to the wall, right? So he's going to increase it and he's going to become more and more brutal, you know, and that's the scariest thing is the ego of a madman. And that's what I tried to warn people about with Trump. You know, I said, this is the last guy you want in charge if there's like a big international incident, you know, and I kind of always thought he would start World War III. And I essentially think he did. It just happened later than we thought. Right. It happened a year after he left office, but it still happened. The destabilization and corruption. Right. Think about it. Right. In February of 17, a mere weeks after he was sworn in, he had Sergei Lavrov and the other you know, Russian top diplomat in the Oval Office where a Russian had never stood before, you know, of that caliber. Right. And he laughed with them about how he had to fire James Comey because Comey wouldn't play nice and drop the charges against General Flynn. Mike Flynn, who sat next to Putin at a dinner. In Moscow, <laughs> right, an ex general who became a lobbyist for dictators, including Erdogan and Turkey. And now even Turkey's turning against Russia. That's the other thing is that all the other countries that Putin thought wouldn't care, care. All of them except for Belarus, you know, because <laughs> they don't have a choice really, right? And they have a dictator too, but Germany, you know, Sweden just sent a bunch of like, you know, anti-tank missiles. Like when Sweden starts sending guns, as somebody said on Twitter, like you're in trouble, <laughs> you know, Switzerland is not going to do business. The entire EU is a no-fly zone for their private jets for these oligarchs. So my point is they're way of life doesn't wasn't just hindered right it was stomped out overnight you know and their kid who's over here getting ready to go to you know harvard or wesleyan or wherever 
you know, some fancy prep school is now in trouble and they can't even send them money, right? Your credit card's not even going to work. Daddy's credit card's not going to work. And that's going to cause a lot of problems and an incredible amount of international pressure. And what does Putin do under that pressure? You know, does he react like the madman that, that we, we don't really know he is, you know, that we're getting glimpses of now? And that's not to say we thought he was a good, stable guy, but he was a tactician, right? He was this wily KGB guy who was playing the long game and the three-dimensional chess. And now he's not. He's foolhardy. You know, and he's backed up against a wall and he's never faced the internal pressure that he's facing right now. You know, these are the most dangerous days of his presidency, you know, and he's a president for life. So this is what I was warning about with Trump. Right. And thank God in heaven that Trump is not in charge right now. Okay, it wouldn't have happened this way anyway, because Trump said he would have pulled out of NATO out of NATO in his second term, right? So Trump would have been out of NATO, NATO would have been kneecapped, and Putin wouldn't have had to do this, or he would have just done it, and we wouldn't have the same response that we have, right? And th that's the danger. That's the danger, like when I talked about the addiction stuff. You know, it wasn't that Trump was using substances. If you could do substances and do your job, who cares? I don't care. Nobody does, but the underlying isms, the self-centeredness, you know, that's what we see, that insanity, you know, that cancer that is metastasized in the psyche of these people is unprecedented, you know, and this weekend was CPAC. CPAC was happening while kids were getting bombed in Ukraine. Trump was giving a speech on Saturday night, siding with Putin, saying Putin, you know, was a smart guy, a genius, he said last week. Putin's a genius. He got those two countries for the price of a couple tariffs. He said it as a joke, not as a joke. I mean, he said it seriously, but he said it in a lighthearted, I'm a dumbass, I have no concern for human suffering kind of way. That's a trademark of a Trump. If you've ever met them, you know, human suffering sort of gets them off with the exception of Mary Trump. But, you know, like Jared and Ivanka, there's some cold, cold fish, right? These aren't people with a deep well of empathy at all. You know, Don Jr. shoots elephants for fun. Like these are twisted people. Daddy beats up little girls that look like his daughter to get his rocks off, you know, and he did forever in Epstein's house. And again, he got away with it, right? Just like Putin gets away with this stuff because there was a lot of international banks and people designed to keep it quiet. And that's all going to get blown out in the open. And that's what it needed, right? Because we weren't doing it. Justice Department wasn't doing it. You know, I know a lot of people are just hold, you know, waiting patiently. This is this is why I said time is not on your side. They're building an army still in this country. They had a Nazi rally. CPAC's a Nazi rally, but they had a legit other Nazi rally that was part of it that Paul Gosar spoke at last year and said he didn't know what it was. And then Marjorie Taylor Greene headlined on Friday night and said, oh, I just wanted a chance to speak to a bunch of kids about America first. I didn't know what it was. America First was the name of the Nazi organization in the United States that supported Hitler, led by Ford, you know, and Charles Lindbergh and these other freaks and anti-Semites, right? The guys that got their asses kicked in Yorkville on the Upper East Side, you know, where I'm from, you know, where I lived for a long time. I wasn't born there. But <laughs> my point is, 
you know, she didn't know that. I mean, she's stupid, but she knew what it was. You know, when you walk into a room of Nazis, you know, you think it's just a coincidence. They're all like blonde dudes with crew cuts and, you know, khakis and white shirts or whatever with the swastikas on the flags. <laughs> you know, the fact that this is happening in Florida of all places blows my mind, but it happened and it's happening and they're not getting cracked down on in this country, right? The two prosecutors that were brought in to prosecute Trump by the Manhattan district attorney, you know, that was brought in by Cy Vance and then Alvin Bragg took over. They both quit last week because Alvin Bragg wasn't interested in hearing what they had to say or reading the memos. And they're like, we're out of here. And these were top guys, right? Shows you the fix is in. Cy Vance didn't want to prosecute Trump for the Trump Soho building, which was a scam. It wasn't even in Soho, by the way. It's like in Tribeca, okay? This is a scam, right? Trump, Trump bends the law to his will. He has his entire life. Don't wait for the Department of Justice or law enforcement to do it. You know, Henry Miller once said, one billion men seeking peace cannot be enslaved. That's what you're seeing now. You're seeing humanity itself rise up. There was rallies in Berlin, all across Europe. You know, huge, massive rallies. Minsk, you know, places, Moscow, St. Petersburg, places where dudes are going to jail and getting tortured for showing up in the streets and saying no to war. That is bravery. That is, you know, being a patriot. That is being courageous. It's not showing up on the mall in D.C. and listening to some fat dude in a diaper tell you he's going to march up to the Capitol with you and then go back and watch it on the TV, you know, while you guys bash in the heads of a bunch of cops and try to kill congressmen, hang a vice president, destroy the symbol of democracy. These guys are doing just the opposite. They're, they're putting their lives on the lies, line to protect their democracy their homeland, the place where they love each other and raise their children and feed their children and celebrate their lives, right? That's home and they ain't leaving it and you ain't taking it from them. That's real patriotism. Not this version of it that's being piped into people's homes on Fox News by some effete dude in a bow tie who went to Trinity and inherited a bunch of frozen fish stick money. And he's never worked a real day in his life, telling you he's a rugged individualist, trying to hang out with Viktor Orban in Hungary, trying to bring that here. Because what they're trying to bring is the business model that Putin had. You know, I'll break it down for you real quick. I won't take much more of your time, all right? But here's what the deal was. And Kushner was the guy who helped promote this. When Trump ran, it was basically like, look, you guys get to be like Putin in the United States. You're going to have a bunch of oligarchs. They're going to control all the wealth. You're going to be the supreme leader. You're going to pick who's a favorite. Your family's going to profit the most. We're going to interfere in the election. You're going to help us. We'll coordinate it with you. And that's going to be the way it is in the U.S. And that's a sweet deal to corrupt people. Trump would be like, yep, no problem. And so would Jared Kushner. And he did. 
Kushner set up a back channel with the Russians before the Trump administration even got into office. During the transition, Jared reached out behind the scenes to avoid intelligence surveillance of our surveillance of the United States and tried to get in touch with a direct line with Putin and Moscow because he said he just wanted to make it more efficient to communicate. Efficient to communicate, right? This is who they were trying to communicate with, right? And then they got there and they sold secrets. And as I said, you know, Trump had these guys in the Oval Office, Sergei Lavrov, who, who was sanctioned along with Putin personally because he has so much wealth off of the brutality of Putin's regime. regime. And that's what Trump wanted. And that looked damn good to the rest of the GOP that it had an influx of Russian cash since 1991. You know, it started pumping into D.C. Why do you think eight senators went in 2018 over to the Soviet Union? Yeah, the Soviet Union. I got the Glenn Youngkin disease. <laughs> I just saw that tweet right before this. So why do you think they went to Russia? On the 4th of July, eight Republican senators, you know, Ron Johnson and these guys are owned by the Russians. Mitch McConnell is in power because Oleg Deripaska, you know, who had owned Russell, which is the Russian aluminum company, said he'll open a factory in Kentucky and pumped hundreds of millions of dollars into McConnell's pockets and his political pockets. And people like the Koch brothers were fine with this. You know, Charles and David Koch, David's dead. Charles is still alive. Their father built his wealth off of break, you know, breaking down crude oil for Stalin in Russia, because Russia has really shitty oil that they pull out of the ground. And the technique that the Koch brothers' dad stole from another scientist worked well with what they call this really hard, you know, crude oil that they have to crack. That's the term, you know, for what they do, right? So that's where he made all his money. And he saw these feudal systems. And so that'd be a great way to control this country. If you keep people young, you know, dumb, uneducated, you don't give them a lot of health care, they're never going to come after the boss, right? You're going to have an endless supply of workers. You're never going to have a real threat to your power. And it'll be cheap, a cheap, expendable workforce. That idea was superimposed onto a population of people, of people that were ideologically given to accept the BS that Trump and the GOP sent their way because they waved a flag in their face and they said a bunch of keywords that inspired fear because as a country, we've walked away from the truth. All of us in many ways do not know enough about our history, right? That's what the fight is about now. Let's burn books. Let's campaign on like, we're anti-CRT, critical race theory, right? You're against progress. You're against a, a, a level playing field. You're going to do anything to preserve that economic business model. But when you think about the fact that, that the head of that snake, the head of that Ponzi scheme, so to speak, you know, the top of that pyramid where all that sweet cash flowed down was Putin. That was it. And now it's all in jeopardy, you know? And now it's all gonna dry up, right? That's the thing the GOP's not counting on. There's only so many people that are you know, gonna text 10 or 20 bucks to Donald Trump 
every day. He's milking them good, but he ain't going to share it with the other candidates, right? So all that Russian cash that was pouring into these campaigns, you know, through cutouts, right? Through political action committees being dispersed in, in ways by like Eric Prince, you know, by offering intelligence services and spies on your opponents and stuff, which he did. You know, he trained people on his ranch in Wyoming to spy, even to spy on Republicans. They spied on the, they owned the governor of Wyoming because he wasn't a pro-Trump guy, right? All that weaponry was funded by these large streams of cash that were flowing out of the Soviet Union that flow no more, okay? And when you turn the water off in a restroom, it starts to stink, right? Because you can't wash up anymore. <laughs> you can't flush. You can't clean that money. So we're about to see the results of that. And it's going to be interesting. You know, it's going to be interesting. <sighs> and who knows where we'll be in a week, you know, but, you know, we're lucky, you know, we're, we're lucky. We're, we're the ones that get to, you know, we get to sit this one out in terms of fighting, you know, but we need to give them our attention and our energy. And we need to send good vibes and we need to focus on what we can change here. And we need to fight as hard as we can against racism and anti-Semitism and nationalism and all these other things that are popping up now. Okay. Because this is an opportunity, right? The fight isn't just over there. It's here too. And it's ideological. And these guys are going to get angry and they're going to get grumpy, you know, and Trump's going to become more unhinged. You know, and the January 6th committee is going to start poking around a little more. And, and you know what? Here's another thing I'll predict. We've sort of been like acquiescing to their wishes a lot, letting Giuliani negotiate, you know, what he talks about when he testifies. Screw you. You were the guy who got sent over there to shake down Zelensky after Manafort got in trouble. Who'd they send next? Rudy. Right. Lev Parnas will tell you all about that. Right. So Rudy's got a piece of this. This is on Rudy. He was the one flying around there. Remember, with his cell phone and his Russian girlfriends and stuff. Right. They were doing this business in Trump's hotel in D.C. We need to look at all of that. If I was in Congress, I would walk in there tomorrow morning and say, I'm opening an investigation into everybody who took a single dime that can be traced back to Russia to Putin. And I'm going to look at everybody who looked the other way on Trump's impeachment, shaking down Zelensky. Do me a favor. All those Republicans refused to convict him on that. Right? Why? What was the benefit that you got from that? Was there a quid pro quo? And if there was, you were aiding an enemy power that was working through an American president to perform a crime against democracy, which led to a, a sovereign nation being invaded and war crimes being persecuted on an innocent people. And if you're a member of this Senate or Congress and you enabled that, I will come after you till my last day to make sure you pay a price and never hold office again. Because that's where we're at now. And we can all do that. Hold your friends accountable. Don't just laugh off the guy with the MAGA sticker anymore. Not that you were ever laughing it off, but it's no more live and let live. Sorry, you don't want to wear a mask. 
you don't want to get vaccinated. Be like, no, you're part of the enemy then, because we're in a fight for all that's good and decent in this world. And that's what Ukraine is showing us, right? The hour is upon us. This is something none of us have ever seen, at least none of us that are listening to this podcast, right? You know? So let's, let's stay vigilant. Let's stay focused. Let's stay engaged. Let's stay positive because there's a lot of positive here, you know, and God is always with us. So your higher power, however you define the goodness in the world, it's still there. It hasn't gone away in the midst of this horror. And every moment you can do something to make more of it, to make more joy, to lessen somebody else's burden, to bring more truth and light into this world. And that will lift us all up. That's what we're seeing. That's why everyone's rallying around Zelensky and the Ukrainian people, because they're doing the right thing and they're not doing it for themselves. Right? Zelensky said, I don't need a ride. I need ammo. I'm staying here and fighting. I'm not getting out of there and being comfortable. Don't accept the leaders that want their own comfort. Look for the leaders that know how important this fight is and want to be out there in the streets with you, getting it done, not going on recess or going on break or saying, oh, we'll get to Bannon in July. We'll hold him on, you know, we'll hold him in contempt in trial, you know, on a trial in July, July. Bannon had Eric Prince on his podcast last week discussing pro-Putin stuff, saying Putin's, Putin's great because he's homophobic and he doesn't fall for that woke LGTBQ nonsense. And they both laughed. A mercenary. And, and, and Steve Bannon, one of the scummiest figures in the world, who again was pardoned, who's walking free, who defied a congressional subpoena. Like what? These guys are combatants. They're enemy combatants. And you have to view them as such. Putin's efforts are not just over there. They're over here too. Let's get honest and sober and real about that and do something about it, okay? All right. I can't think of anything else to say on these matters. It's heavy stuff. You know, I appreciate you guys listening. I'd love to hear from you. You know, feel free to to write me during the week. If you're listening and you want to talk about something on the podcast, hit me up, man. You're always welcome to come on too. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you some funny stories and some music stuff, too. <laughs> you know, in terms of the music, you know, all the music I grew up listening to and the, the guys I worked with, you know, from Pete Seeger to Jackson Brown to, you know, Bruce Springsteen, like you name it. It, it was all about the truth of, of who, who we are as a people. You know, what real bravery is, why love is more important, you know, than corruption and anger, you know, and, and why we need harmony to come together, you know, and, and we have to look through the hypocrisy. People shouldn't be dying. These Russian kids shouldn't be fighting a war for some maniac. Their hearts aren't in it. You know, this is a time where people can rise up. Like Patty Smith said, the people have the power. You know, this is what we're seeing. The people have the power. One billion men seeking peace cannot be enslaved, right? So seek some peace in your lives this week. I'll be back next week. We love you. Appreciate you guys. Peace.